Hi, I am Tingan, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, where we interview dads who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. After hearing from moms in Season 1, now it's time to speak to dads who are raising kids while striving in their careers. Let's find out the stories, challenges, and advice they have for us. In this episode, we speak to Praveen, Strategic Partnerships Lead and Meta. Praveen started his career in financial broadcast journalism during the global financial crisis with companies including CNBC and Yahoo. He then led network development at the Walt Disney Company in APEC before co-founding EV.ai, an AI personal assistant that schedules meetings. This is one of the must-have tools I myself use in my day job as a venture capitalist. Praveen's management philosophy begins and ends with people, and he is a father of two boys, age two and five. Hey Praveen, welcome to the Parents in Tech podcast. To begin with, can you tell us a bit more about your family? Thanks for having me. Long time listener, first time caller. So my wife and I, we have two boys. The first one's five, although he thinks he's 15. (laughs) And then the other one's almost two years old. It can almost be at two places at the same time. He never sits still and is always dashing about. So it's always quite, let's say, lively at home. That's wonderful. They're at this age where they're full of energy, realizing what they can do, especially I'm sure for your younger son, where he started walking for a year and started to be more confident. So it's exciting time, isn't it? A bit too confident, if you ask me. <laughs> Tends to jump first and then think about it later. Uh, that's wonderful. Okay, so Pravin, mm-hmm. maybe take me back a bit. How did you meet your wife? And when did children or the discussion of children come into the picture? Yeah, I met my wife, I think about 10 years ago now. Wow. Then, of course, she's a perfect stranger. She was organizing the Singapore chapter of an event called Social Media Week. I don't know if you remember this quite a while back. Wow. Okay. So her agency colleagues approached the company I was working at then mm-hmm. to become a title sponsor. And then somehow I got arrowed to attend this meeting. <laughs> so, okay, I was running point on this whole thing. And then on event day, when I showed up, she was offering me swag that I had actually sponsored for the event. I said, thank you, but I actually gave that to you. So that was kind of funny. And then we didn't see each other for the rest of the week until the finale event. Mm -hmm. This big event. We had a drink, some chat. I got challenged to some old school Super Mario because they had set it up as part of the event theme. That didn't go very well for me, but I think by and large, the last 10 years have worked out quite fine for me otherwise. Wow, talk about serendipity from an event that you sponsor and I guess based on what you were describing, you didn't sound too excited about uh, being at this event, but it turned out to be one of the best life decisions you have made. Yeah, and it's funny because our older son also has turned out to be quite a big Super Mario aficionado and we just moved house, so as we were unpacking, we found this old school Nintendo console game, hooked it up for him, yep. and then my wife was very smug about it. She's like, you know, I beat your dad and that's how we met. And he didn't skip a beat. He was like, well, I beat both of you. So <laughs> so there's a packing order. There's a hierarchy that has been established yeah, in the family. Apparently so. <laughs> nice. Okay. Wonderful. That's such a fascinating and non-conventional story. So Praveen, after you got together, when did children come into the picture? Were you guys aligned on how many children, when you want to have children? Maybe shed some light into how those conversations look like. Yeah, I think it wasn't a 
very big part of our conversations. But I think at some point after being married for about two years or so, we decided, well, everybody's getting on mm. in years. So this is probably something that we should get to quickly. Yep. So then that's when number one showed up in 2017. Wonderful. And then 2017 was also a very tough year for us because it was, as it turned out, the last and most intense mm. year of my startup journey. So we decided at that point in time, one and done. Then I think about two years ago, we revisited that decision. Yep. Basically, we were like, do we want this guy growing up as a single child? There's a high likelihood that he's going to think the universe revolves around him. Probably should have a sibling to keep his feet on the ground. So then I think we decided, number two, mm-hmm. who also a boy who arrived in 2020. Mm. And then now we're two and done. Now the shop's well and truly shut. So no optionality for number three. <laughs> We're going to do our best not to end up in that situation. Got it. Okay, Pravi, you got to tell me a bit more about 2017, the challenges of yeah. being a dad back then, and also what it's like you mentioned about when you were building your own company. Yeah, take us back to that time. Yeah, so first time dad, so not much experience there, actually none at all. And then also turned out, I was been running the startup with my partner then for about three years at that point. Mm-hmm. And 2017 was really when things were coming to a head. Basically, I was sink or swim here. Yep. So on the one hand, I was trying to find revenue traction, yep. find customers, paying customers, retain them. And then on the other hand, also embarked on fundraising. And then my co-founder at that time was also fully heads down in trying to solve what was, and I think still is, a very big technical challenge, mm. getting machines to understand naturally written and spoken language and then figure out which part of all that text is for, intended for them to take action and then take the right actions. Mm-hmm. So that was a very hard year. And then when number one came along, I'm embarrassed to say this now, but I wasn't fully present even when I was at home. Mm. My mind was somewhere else. Yeah, We had employees, we needed to make this work. So that was really hard and a disproportion of the burden fell to my wife. We were, I guess, lucky. I mean, you talk about support networks, we were kind of lucky because my mother-in-law who just recently retired at that point, graciously decided she'd come and stay with us for the first year to help us out. So she was a great deal of help. And then my own parents who were here were also helping out in ways that they could. Uh, my dad's constantly, even until today, I think he's constantly fixing everything that breaks in our house. Nice. And then the last thing was that my brother-in-law, who just moved to Singapore then for a new job, mm. was also living with us. So he was basically cooking dinner every night and stuff like that. So Wonderful. I was the absentee in all of that dynamic simply because of what was going on at work. Yes, But we leaned very heavily into that support infrastructure, I think, that year. Yeah, absolutely. When things at work, and especially when it's your business as a critical phase comes in and you need to be fully involved in it, then that's when the family support comes in to be extremely, extremely valuable. I guess thinking back about also even in that first year, like what did you feel was the dominant emotion that you felt balancing work, being a new dad, all of that? Yeah, I kept vacillating between terror and guilt. Terror with what was going on at work. I mean, you've been in a startup yourself, yeah, in a founding role. So you, I think you understand what that's like. Absolutely. And then just guilt about not being present in this other new role that I was occupying at that time. Yeah. And my wife having to handle so much of that while she was also working herself. 
How did you come out of it and when did the situation start to improve? I think at the end of 2017, I just closed our latest at that point around the fundraising. And I decided that, well, look, something has to give. Yep. I can't do both this and that. So I made the very difficult decision to walk away from my own startup yep. and leave my co-founder just having to take on everything else. Mm. But for life and family and everything else, I felt that, that was the right thing to do. Mm. When the round closed in December, I told the board that I needed to take some time off to basically just recover. So all of December, it was a lot of walking, a lot of yoga and a lot of thinking. Mm. I came back in January and I informed the board, I think it's time for me to move on. Yeah. And then a senior board member made some introductions right off the bat of that conversation. And I ended up Facebook a couple of months later. Yeah. And then a couple of months after I started, my wife also joined me at the company and we've both been there ever since. Wow. So that's been kind of great for us. A lot of shared context and you know, great company to work for, especially over the last two years when things have been especially hard with the pandemic and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. I'm sure that must have been probably one of the most challenging and trying periods of time. And maybe talk to me a bit more about the decision to leave because I went through a similar process too, but this is something mm. that you built with your own two hands, of course, with your co-founders. You gave a lot into it and there's a lot of emotions, a lot of concerns and anxiety around it. What was in your mind that led you to make this decision? Yeah, it was a lot of mixed emotions and sorting through those emotions to gain some clarity that in itself took some time, right? Yeah. But I think in all candor, the final dimension of my decision making was my co-founder and I had different ideas about how we wanted to take this mm -hmm. product in this company. and. I felt that if I don't have control over the destiny of this thing, yeah. then it's best to take a step back and let somebody else drive this the way they want to drive it. So that was the final, I think, determinant in my decision-making process at that time. Gotcha. Then after you took the break, you basically transitioned out. I'm curious, how did your relationship with your family change and evolve after that? Because suddenly from something that you were so consumed by you had this freedom this clarity what changed at home again in all honesty i don't think things magically went back to being completely fine after i joined the new company there was a lot of financial and emotional burden taken off our family mm. and then my wife followed me to the company as well but as far as presence and being present when i was still then it was a different problem. I was traveling a lot for work. Yep. So again, we found ourselves in a situation where I was many time zones away frequently and stuff like that. So I think maybe just to skip ahead in the timeline a little bit, mm -hmm. the pandemic actually, I'd say, has been a bit of a blessing for me mm -hmm. because it's given me the opportunity to just stay grounded and be at home and reconnect with number one and then also start off with number two on a better footing. Yep. So it's been hard all around, I'd say. Mm. But this is something that I appreciate from the last two years. Definitely. I feel like the pandemic has forced us to be a lot more with our families, but in such a good way and, and change the routines because especially with travel and all of that, that always is challenging. So talking about the past two years, also with a newborn that you had when the pandemic first struck, what was 
perhaps one of the most memorable moments you had as a parent over the past two years? It's always gratifying, <laughs> as I call it, week on week, as they, especially at this age, they develop very quickly. Mm-hmm. So seeing those new feature releases is always very interesting. Walk, and then they're starting, they're beginning to say words, and then now the yep. second one is starting to string together full sentences mm-hmm. and starting to repeat everything he hears. Right. So little jugs at big ears, as we like to say around here. So now we have to be careful about what we're saying around him in case it gets repeated. Gotcha. And earlier at the start of this conversation, you said your elder one thinks that he's 15. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, he's a bit of a, I mean, you could tell from his response to the whole Mario thing. He's a bit of a, mm-hmm. a bit of an old soul. He's quite eloquent, so he's not afraid to take us on and forces us to be on our feet. Actually, we cannot mm. arbitrarily say, do this or do that. We're having to, like, judges and lawyers explain our decisions in full, laying out the rationale and citing precedents at times before we can compel his cooperation. Yep. Yeah. And so I guess on that note also, probably talk to me a bit more about the way you think about discipline. Because I think in, Mm. I would say perhaps in the way that we were brought up as children, often whatever our parents say counts and it's almost like because I'm your parent, I don't need to give any reason. But clearly you're adopting a different approach. How was it like for you and what led you to this more yeah. thoughtful and inclusive approach? Yeah, I have to say here that all the credit, I think, should go to my wife, who's been a big part of shaping our approach to our philosophy on parenting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, as you just alluded to, same like you, let's say we grew up in a more 80s parenting style. Our first responses tend to be a bit more sterner, let's just say. Yep. But my wife, on the other hand, is the one that tries to be non-reactive mm. to the tantrums and the meltdowns and then slowly have those conversations and try and reason with them. It's not the most efficient way of doing things, especially these meltdowns can take place anytime, anywhere and stuff like that. Yep. But I think the way we think about it is the same way as doing things in a shortcut fashion builds up technical debt when you're building product. Yep. Taking those shortcuts early on can also build up emotional debt Mm. later on with the kids, right? So I fall down on this quite often. So my wife is the one that really holds the line on this. Got it. That's such a quotable quote. Just like how in product, you take shortcuts, you have a technical debt. Now, if you do the same in parenting, you also accumulate emotional debt, which I think it's uh, far worse than getting technical debt, but it's true. It's less reversible. Yes, indeed. Okay, so we talked a lot, of course, about the challenges, Praveen, but I also want to talk about the good moments. So what's so far the best part about being a dad? Maybe let me try to answer this another way. Sure. Before kids in your 20s and early 30s and stuff like that, the thing you like to do is hang out with your friends and enjoy your freedom a lot. And back then, we used to do that almost every day after work. And I used to have these older colleagues who would be like, half a pint of beer and, oh, I need to get back yes. for dinner with my kids and stuff. And you, you, you could never relate or understand, like, why wouldn't you want to socialize and stuff like that, right? But after having our own kids, I really can't imagine not being home for dinner. Right? And I'd feel really bad if I didn't see them before bed. Hmm. The other day, in anticipation of this conversation, I asked my wife, like, so what's so great about being a mom? And she, of course, wine glass in the hand at the end of the day was like, actually nothing, man. 
But then she also followed on. She said, if somebody gave me a time machine mm-hmm. to go back before all this, I get my time, my freedom, and all my energy back, yep. I'd still fight very hard to continue on this timeline. Mm-hmm. So if you build a pro-con list of being a parent, yep. the con side of it would be very heavily. But still, it's a thing that you would still choose to do having done so. Yep. And it's a strange thing, and it's a thing that's very hard to understand a priori, but once you've been a parent, I think you wouldn't choose to go back the other way. Absolutely. I think this is gold, especially for those who are listening and perhaps are going to be parents or are thinking about parents or not parents yet. Because the part about they have to leave early for dinners and miss drinks, it's so true. Before that, it's always nice to hang out with friends till late, have a couple of drinks and all of that. And then it always feel like there was the uncool, parents were the uncool bunch that I just had to go back and deal with it. But it's also such a different kind of happiness and uh, satisfaction that work and other interactions can't give. Yeah, and the ability to do things on a lot. Now, we are highly scheduled to meet our friends. <laughs> it's something you put in the calendar two weeks in advance. And the way a restaurant booking business is going right now, yes, even up to a month or so before you can find a place to meet with your friends and stuff like that. So, Correct. But still, I think people who've been parents wouldn't want it any other way. Absolutely. So one of the things also probably I wanted to ask because you have two kids and this is also for my learning. It's they always say that kids grow up with same parents, same family, but turn out to be quite different. I know it's still early, but what kind of differences are you observing between your elder and your younger boy? You think they'd be more similar, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Let's just take their physical disposition. I think the first one, he's a bit more cautious. Mm-hmm. He's probably the one who's more likely to sit down and curl up with a book or something like that. The second one just cannot stay at home. I think it takes up to his mom. Like They just cannot be at home. They need to be out and about, and they need to be running, climbing, doing something. So that is one early difference that we've spotted. Mm-hmm. Personality-wise, I don't think it'd be fair to say now. I think it's not true fully formed yet, and we don't want to typecast them this time. So I think yeah. we're more just observing to see what the differences are. Okay, so with the different proclivities, tell me how do weekends look like for your family? Because on one hand, you have your elder one who probably likes to be at home and chill, whereas the younger one wants to go out and, and play. So what do weekends look like? So the first day of the weekend, usually one day of the weekend is when the extended family comes over. My parents, my brother, sister-in-law, and both my brothers-in-law, they're all here. So it's uh, long lunches, stretching to dinner, right. that kind of thing. That's usually either a Saturday or a Sunday, depending on people's schedules. And then Sunday, if the family's not coming over, then we're a bit at loose ends because we've got the kids all to ourselves, no help. <laughs> so it's usually my wife saying, let's go to the zoo for the 500th time. Or, you know, let's just get out to the park or something like that. Yep. And then number two is right there with her, ready to go. And then myself and number one are a bit more like, how about we have breakfast first? And then how about maybe we can go down to the pool or something like that, just yep. dragging our feet. So then the rest of the day becomes kind of organic, especially in the last week, it's been very hard to plan and go anywhere because of all the restrictions and stuff like that. But I think we've been quite fortunate within our condo. We have this amazing community and we've become quite good friends with a lot of our neighbors and our kids are also of a similar age and they're all good friends. So in the end, you know, a lot of times we end up just hanging out with our neighbors in the condo, which for number one in me is fantastic. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so wonderful how you have this different layers of support network. So what I hear, it's of course your extended family that really helps out with the childcare bit and then even within your residential community. I mean, for parents who are thinking about building that support network, that system, what is some advice you would give to them? Because sometimes it can be so hard these days, especially with COVID and everything. You don't really meet people that much in person. What worked for you? I'm quite loath to extrapolate from my anecdotal experiences. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it for us is that we've just lucked into this situation. Because a lot of our friends, our close friends, either newly married or single and they don't have kids and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. right? It just so turned out that we ended up in this condo where it's very family-centric, kids running around everywhere. I tell you where this condo is, but we're all trying to keep rents down, so maybe not so much. (laughs) I was going to say it should be on the marketing material. (laughs) Family-friendly. Yeah, no, but we're trying to keep the rents. Makes sense. Gotcha. But I take your point, can be really hard. You're working and you have a hard time keeping up with your own friends as it is now. You have to build a new network for your kids. Yep. Maybe a good starting point is school and yep. starting with playdates with classmates. Yeah. Does your elder one go for those? Do you guys organize playdates? His playdates mostly tend to take place with his condo friends. They tend to rotate amongst the houses. But once in a while, because we have this setup here, I think there's been less of an impetus to... Yep set up playdates with his school friends as well. Mm. But certainly, those have happened in the past. Yeah, that's wonderful. Maybe I should start sourcing that within my estate and build that. Because it's also convenient, like the playdates. It's not like you have to drive them. It's all within the same space. So it's much easier to manage. Yeah, and the convenience trumps most things else, I think, given (laughs) the paucity of time that we all experience these days. Exactly. Okay, so Praveen, you built your career in tech. So tell me, do you use any tech tools in your parenting or to basically create more time and opportunity for your family? I'll tell you the one tech tool that we've tried to avoid and failed miserably, right? Okay. Screens. <laughs> Before we had kids, we were like, oh, we're not going to be those parents, right? No screens until yep. much later. And you're going to spend the time reading. And we had all these ideas about how we'll sit around and we'll discuss these books and stuff like that. Yep. It didn't pan out that way. And I don't know if technology has become more intuitive or if kids are born with intuitive understanding of technology these days. Mm-hmm. Like our first one, by the time he could walk, he was walking up to the TV and swiping the TV screen. Wow. He expects that all screens are swipeable surfaces. And he could very competently navigate Spotify and find his songs, even though he couldn't read. Wow. Just somehow they've wow. managed to figure these things out. Okay. But a couple of tools that I would recommend for parents is like, especially the new parents, one is definitely get a webcam and make sure that your Wi-Fi network at home has a low latency yep. so that you can start to get there while they're thinking about it and get there before they face plant off the bed. <laughs> the other tool that, I mean, this is just a small example, but yep. a low tech tool that we found was Kids Knife. When number one got to, I think about three and a half, four. Okay. We got him this kid's knife. It's serrated, but it's not sharp. Right. And you can teach them about knife safety and he can cut his own strawberries and his own fruits and stuff like that without losing an unacceptable number of fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a nice way, of, very low tech, but it was a nice way of giving him a sense of independence. And yeah. Now we're on calls and stuff like that and he needs a snack. He'll just go and figure it out himself. So other than that, I think, to the main point of your question. No, we've been quite remarkably low-tech 
so far. Mm. I think we're trying to encourage boredom, less screen time, yeah. that sort of thing. Okay, I'm going to ask about the screen time, but I just want to say a side note. See, that's why I do this podcast. I never knew that such kids' knives existed, but it just makes so much sense to help them to build motor skills, to build confidence in handling dangerous things. Wonderful. Okay, I might hate to Lazada or Shopee <laughs> after this. I already start checking them out, even though my daughter is only 60. Maybe a bit later. Yeah, maybe we can find it for you and then you can put it in the show notes. Yes, that's a good idea. Good recommendation. Yeah. Okay, so maybe coming back to the screen time part, how do you regulate that mm. these days? Because the relationship can be tenuous at times. <laughs> yeah. On weekends, I think it's a bit harder. Mm-hmm. But given that extended family is around and on the other days, we try to get out. So we net that we do kind of okay there. Yep. On weekdays, number one's in school. Number two is about to start school in a week. Ah, nice. Anyway, number two is not in front of screen. So that's okay. But by the time they come home and have dinner, yep. the rule is you're allowed about 45 minutes of television after you've had your shower and your PJs. Right. And that's also largely due out of necessity because we, especially my wife, we need to sort ourselves out. Yep. Take our own showers and get into our own PJs before we can put them to bed and stuff right. like that. So 45 minutes usually starts with, and now he does it himself. He goes, hey, Google, set a timer for 45 minutes and then switches on the TV and then when the timer goes off. Wow. That's pretty much the end of it. Okay. So one tech tool to kind of offset the impact of the other. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I did nice that you also have that uh, Google Home to kind of set that and build that habit. Also, tell me a bit more about how perhaps the elder one and his relationship with the younger one. Because I think for many parents, perhaps who are considering or planning for their second child, there's always this questions around, oh, will he or she be a bully like the elder one? Or will they look out for the younger one? How did their relationship between both of them shape over the past two years? When number two was born, I think immediately we noticed a change in behavior in number one. Mm. Like he just started throwing tantrums more and stuff like that. I think Mm. he was now adjusting to not being the center of attention anymore. Mm. So over the years, we've had to mitigate that. And number two needs a disproportionate level of care simply because he can't fend for himself. We're very careful to make sure number one is included in everything. And, and not felt left out. And my wife and me, of course, the pandemic has kind of made things a lot harder. But there were times when we take him out separately. Yeah. I'd pick him up from school early and go for lunch with him. Nice. Or my wife would just take him out to the art science museum or something and I'd just hang out with him. Right. And then also this constant encouragement of he's your brother, you're kind of responsible for him as well give him that sense of ownership and responsibility in that relationship. And then as number two has started to get older and be emote a lot more, he also naturally gravitates towards number one. So he makes it up. When he is being called to go to bed, he makes sure he, wherever he is, he'll run out to the living room and, and call for number one and say, let's go. Wow. Right? He just started saying, let's go. So, and he means, if I'm going to bed, you're coming with me. <laughs> Uh, that's so beautiful to see how that relationship evolves. And I'm sure you'll continue to be. I think that's the nice thing also about having more than one child is that they have this relationship with each other. That's very different from a parent-child relationship. So probably if let's say I gave you a billboard tomorrow that's targeted at all new parents, yeah, what would you kind of write on that billboard? This is easy. It'll be outside Tanglin Mall and it would say, dude, you've bought way too much stuff. okay please elaborate a bit yes when number one was born we were equipped the way i think the saf is equipped 
we had something for every possible scenario. Right. And then you realize you don't use half or three quarters of these things. There are a few absolute necessities yep. and you will keep going back to those necessities. The rest of it, a lot of it we gave away having maybe tried it once or twice and then yep. just never used it at all. And then with number two, it was a much leaner operation, right? Yep. So when it comes to buying things, my advice to new parents is whatever you think you need, yep. you probably don't. True. There's always this excitement. And I think these days they do, I mean, the way kids shop sell stuff is done very well. Everything looks cute. Everything looks nice. Everything looks fun. And then you realize that you clutter your house. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, what if? I'm sitting on the floor and I want to put the child to bed. Mm-hmm. Is there a chair that also kind of bounces? Is there like something like a bouncy? Oh, there are bouncy chairs. Let's get one. Okay. And then you never use it. <laughs> okay. Other than bouncy chairs, what's one other thing you bought that pretty much had no utility and you either gave it away or it's just sitting somewhere? Okay. This one, talk about never having learned from the lessons, right? <laughs> this is a stroller attachment. It's a flatbed stroller attachment. So okay. you can basically just sleep in it. Yep. Well, guess what? The chair that the stroller comes for with also reclines all the way down. So in the end, between carrying this cumbersome, I forget what it's called, bassinet yep. attachment and just going with the stroller, you just end up going with the stroller. Yep. And for some reason, second time around also, we made the same mistake. And then Carousel, Facebook Marketplace, solely had to sell it off. Got it. See, that's so relatable because I think parents always excited. We do plenty of research, but end up <laughs> spending all of this. And that's really, really cool. Praveen, so in terms of thinking about your hopes and your aspirations for yourself as a parent, what are some of those as you look forward in the near future? I think in the end, all of this is so that when the kids grow up, mm. you will have a good and meaningful relationship and you are family at the end of the day and these are the closest people to you in the world. And I think if at the end of the day you grow up and you're all friends and you're all really close and I'm not terribly eloquent on this question, but I think that's the real test in the end. They grow up to be good people and the kind of people who are confident in themselves Mm. and who always bet on themselves and the type of people you know, you can drop them anywhere in the world and they'll be able to figure it out. Yes. You'll be able to build networks, find their own way and they'll be kind to others. Yep. And the kind of people who will always look for you and want to be around you later in life. Yeah. I mean, you say you're not eloquent. I think there's no better way of putting it for you to raise people who are, for children who can be independent, positive contribution to society, but at the end of the day, they value and they treasure their relationship with you. I think that's across all of us and that's very well put. So to wrap up today's conversation, if there's one lesson you have learned as a parent in tech, what would that lesson be? I think the subject of work-life balance comes up a lot. Yes. Especially in our field. Mm-hmm. The thing where I've arrived at on this is that my belief about work is work is what we do to give us the means to live a good life mm-hmm. and also meaning and what I mean by that is a sense of structure and purpose in life, right? Yep. And I think certainly I've seen this play out in my life and my career. There are different seasons in your life and sometimes the balance will shift more heavily towards work and we talked about that 2017 startup. Yep. Sometimes you get a bit of downtime for work and you can focus on other areas of life. And I think these shifts back and forth, mm-hmm. things that add richness to your lived experiences. 
what I think should be avoided is a chronic shift towards the one or the other because I think that can lead to stagnation. Mm. More than anything else, you want to avoid stagnation in your life. That's golden advice. I think it's true. There are times where we just need to step up, whether it's back at home or at work, but not to just be in that zone for too long until we become uncomfortable and we stop growing over there. Or you become too comfortable and you stop growing over there. True. Well, Pravin, this has been a really, really enjoyable conversation. I personally learned so much from it. If our audience would love to connect with you, how can they best do so? I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. And actually, I wanted to say something about this. Yes. Earlier on in my life and career, one of the things that I thrived on is connecting with people mm-hmm. and really facilitating connections between people. If that was a full-time job, I'd do it. But again, after becoming a parent, pandemic and stuff like that, that's kind of fallen off. Mm. So one of my goals this year, 2022, as we start to reopen and hopefully life going back to normal again is to kick off this habit of connecting with people and just hearing about what people are doing in the world and then hopefully facilitate useful connections between people as well. So please, I'd love to hear from you. You find me on LinkedIn. Please feel free to reach out. Awesome. And we'll include your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Pravin. This has been a really enjoyable conversation. And thank you. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tsingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.